This episode is brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is the number one tool for all podcasters. You can record high fidelity audio between remote locations and get studio quality sound. Go to Zencaster.com and use coupon code that entertains for 20% off for three months or 20% off an annual plan. Everything is awesome is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Check out some of our other shows like TV Ate My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelin Friends, and Podstalgic at courtsandparts.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. Oh, this week we are continuing our Philadelphia Podcast Fest celebration uh, with our, I believe, the I believe um, these guys were our first ever interview we did two years ago, uh, where I had more than one person on the line at the same time. Uh, and here we are two years later with the boys from Dissecting the 80s. That's right, Trip and Andrew. I know I still have yet to confirm how to pronounce their last name. Leno? Lano? Leno. Leno sounds right. We'll go with that. But Trip and Andrew come back to talk about the Philadelphia Podcast Festival. We talk movies. We talk their show. We talk the 80s. Uh, before we, we we get to the show, a couple things. Make sure you are checking out phillypodfest.com slash schedule to look at the complete schedule. There's a lot of great things happening this weekend, including... Dissecting the 80s at Tattoo Moms. They're closing Saturday at Tattoo Moms, but their shows all day long from 1 to 7. I guess technically 8 is when it's over uh, at Tattooed Moms. There's shows going on at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House, like All My Fantasy Children and Victims and Villains and Voice of Free Planet X. And there's shows going on at Fit Comedy, like We Got This. Uh, and there's just things going on all day today. And uh, th- this whole weekend is, is, is nothing but Philadelphia podcasting gold. So go check it all out. They're local Philadelphia podcasters. There's also people who are from the area who have come back to do the festival. It's going to be a real good time. Uh, and that's, that's all I have for the podcast festival. Uh, let's get right into the conversation with the boys from dissecting the eighties. Uh, again, such a great conversation. And, um, I, I enjoy talking movies with these guys. They, um, I, I'm more of a fan and I kind of, you know, just view them as popcorn films a lot or just, um, I'm just there to watch a movie that, that, and then I'm in and out. But guys like Garrett Smith from I Like to Movie Movie and these boys from Dissecting the 80s, they have a little bit more of a, a critical eye to these movies. And it's just interesting hearing their thoughts and whatnot on these movies. Their show that they're doing at Tattoo Moms is going to be a great show doing Roger Rabbit. I'm really, really excited for them. Uh, and I, I'm going to be at a wedding, so I'm not going to be able to, to see it live. Uh, but I wish the best of luck to all the shows performing today. And for the purposes of this episode, especially the boys from Dissecting the 80s, right here on AwesomePodcast.com. So, so how you guys been, man? Mans? Yes. <laughs> uh, good. Just uh, busy, but good. It's, it's yeah, I, I, if you can't tell. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, it was, was it two years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, okay. I, and 
I want to say in that two year span, I've maybe had one or two other guests that were that had multiple people on, um, save for a roundtable discussion that I did where we had like uh, like five or six people. But uh, so so uh, I apologize in advance for when I stomp all over one of you because I'm sure it's going to happen. <laughs> we do it to each other. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, the beautiful thing is uh, no one will hear it in post because I can clean it up. It's all good. Uh, yeah, but it's been two years. Uh, the last time we talked was for the uh, 2016 Philadelphia Podcast Festival. Yes. Our first live show. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so that was your first live show. Meaning Our it was second, your first... actually. First okay. Philly, though. First Philly. So that was your first Philadelphia Podcast Festival. Correct. Okay, so you're part of the same class as I am. Uh, I I did not my first live show there, but my first uh, podcast festival and my first live show with Everything Is Awesome um, at, in 2016. So, yeah, there, it, I think it's so neat that if you look at that schedule at phillypodfest.com slash schedule, there's not like out of the 50 shows that are there, I, I think only a small amount of them, like maybe 15, 20% are still like that. And I don't know if they did it before 2016, but what I've been calling the class of 2016, which is a lot of like you guys, me, full belly laughs, doom thugs, um, party of one pod, uh, quest for magic and steel. Like we all our first live shows at least, or at least our first podcast festivals were 2016. And we kind of all started the, our, sh- uh, when did you guys start, uh, your show dissecting the eighties? Uh, four years ago, August of 2014. Yeah. Yeah. August, 2014. Okay. Okay, so you guys have you know are one of maybe two of the podcasts that I just named that were doing at least that like that exact show longer than than the 2016 year. But I started February 1st of 2016 is when everything is awesome started, and and a lot of the shows that year that were with the festival were like first time shows, um, and it's kind of neat that like I get to see you guys well. I don't know if I get to see you guys this year, but like I get to see you on the schedule at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I get to see familiar names still doing it like for the third year in a row. It's, it's, it's super neat to see that. And I'm glad like show like you guys have a unique show. So it's great that you guys are still doing it. And four years is nothing to like sneeze at. Like, how many episodes does that equate to? <laughs> no, we're about to hit a hundred. We'll, we'll hit a hundred on July 2nd. And it's like, like kind of stupid to comprehend that a little bit because we do bi-weekly. So it's, you know, 26, 26 a year, roughly, um, not roughly exactly. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, this was, uh, kind of a silly idea. I used to do a different podcast where I, and I still think it's a cool idea, but I just couldn't find people anymore where I would like have someone come talk to me about their greatest adventure. And then kind of yeah. the back half of the show, I would just ask them a bunch of like silly questions and then we'd talk about something else. Like we would just discuss a thing. And like the first thing that I did was have Andrew come on and tell a story. And then we talked about the new evil dead movie, the remake that had come out. And like then 20 minutes after when that show it. died. Yeah. Yeah. We were still kind of rattled by it. <laughs> um, and it was like maybe six months after that ended, I was not doing a podcast and I was saying, I really missed that. And also I had felt like at the time, Andrew and I weren't talking as much as we did when we lived in the same house. Cause obviously that's harder to do. So it was kind of like this perfect excuse to hang out a little bit more, even if we weren't in the same space. 
and yeah, it became a thing that's this really incredibly fun hobby that we've gotten to do live shows and, and all sorts of other cool stuff. And and that's the great thing about uh, podcasting and specifically like I've heard a lot of people, especially in the last like uh, seven to 10 days that I've been interviewing as many people <laughs> as I can for the, the podcast festival, um, a, a handful of people were in that same boat. They're like, I just wanted to like sit down with my friend and or my brother in your guys case and and like like talk more because we lost touch or because you know just life is crazy so we're not able to talk as much and i think that's like so neat you know podcasting is great for many reasons uh but that's that's one of them and i think that's even if you like if that's your reason to podcast i think that is the best reason to podcast uh, or one of the best reasons because you're not thinking about like am i hitting my numbers am i am i uh, making money you know you're you're doing it for you and 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 the conversation and and just having a good time yeah it's always just a, a great like you, you i know that we're going to we're going to have a nice hour long two hour long two and a half hour long conversation uh, every couple of weeks. And then there's sometimes we're like, we'll talk for 45 minutes and then be like, oh, well, hang on, let's start recording. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's talk about the stuff we have to talk about for the show and then get back to what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so this is, um, Philadelphia is, is not your, uh, necessarily your, your home operation because now let's see if I remember this year. Cause last year I got confused when we talked at the, at tattooed mom, uh, <laughs> Andrew is in Philly and Trip is in Maryland or Boston. Yeah, Maryland? yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah Baltimore. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I got it. I nailed it. I nailed I, it. Got it. One. Did you not research it. Yeah. Did not research it. I I I I tried to map the voices because uh, uh, I don't like. I can't. I definitely. If you asked me yesterday, or you you blinded me and and asked me today, said is Trip in Maryland or. Uh, or Philly by just like a text message, I'd say, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I've been able to, from like, we talked a lot last year since we were at the same venue. Uh, I don't know if I, did I perform the day that you guys did or was I just there running things? I think you were just running things. Cause didn't you yeah. do like a late night show version of your show? Yeah. Yeah. And I did that. Uh, I think I was on Saturday, one of the Saturdays last year, uh, maybe Sunday. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I did a late night version of my show. Uh, that's typically what I do at tattooed mom. Uh, and, and we're trying this year. Um, so this year's, uh, live show schedule. How often do you guys do live shows? Twice uh, a year ish. Yeah. We've, we've done Baltimore twice and this will be our third Philly one. So I, my, my goal after that first podcast festival in 2016 was to try to get six a year in. and, um, Ooh, that's and awesome. In. Wow. And in 20, I guess if you, if you did like, uh, like podcast festival, podcast festival, I think we either hit that goal or we're shy of it by like one show. Um, and, uh, but, but 2017 as a whole, I think we hit, I think we hit six or, or we, if not again, five. Um, and then this year, um, Every year I do a like benefit show to raise money for uh, at the at the time it was Let's F Cancer. Um, and uh, this past year, the show just did not specifically my show. Like the event went great. Like everyone performed well, uh, except for my show. Uh, and everything was like everything went really well, save for like some like business end stuff that I was really upset about. Hence my show not being good. 
and like to the point where I was like, I'm done. I'm just done live podcasting. Like, uh, uh, and I wasn't sure I had just, um, I don't know how, I mean, I guess you guys pretty much do the same format, um, you know, week in, week out and same, you know, kind of modify it a little bit for the live show. Correct. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we, when we can get people to participate, we, we'd like that. So we try to save movies that are more popular for live episodes for that reason. Okay. And, and I, uh, obviously this show like that we're doing right now is always pretty much the same. It's usually me, one, uh, or two other guests, um, just sitting around bullshitting. Like, like it used, especially like this year, I'm talking to a lot of guys and and gals that I talked to two years ago uh, or, or even last year. Um, and, and the conversation isn't necessarily interviewee because we've done that already. So it's kind of just having a fun, like catching up and, and talking about the festival and, uh, that's taking place, uh, June 22nd through July 1st in Philadelphia at, uh, various venues across the city, phillypodfest.com slash schedule. Uh, one of you guys performing, let's get that out of the way, uh, before we forget. Saturday, Saturday, June 23rd at 7 p.m. at Tattooed Mom. Oh, uh, yeah. You got, I, I, I don't know why I thought you were at Amalgam this year, but no, like you guys fit well at, uh, at Tattooed Mom. Yeah, it feels like a, a, the kind of place that gets the yeah, kind of right jib. Uh, we're also a pretty, yes, yeah. Uh, and I like performing when it looks like people are about to hit me in a bumper car. So perfect. <laughs> it, uh, it, is, <laughs> it is such a unique space. Yeah, but we're doing uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which actually turns 30 the day before our show, which we're pretty, pretty excited to be that, you know, simpatico. Oh, my God. I am so, so uh, uh, disappointed is the word. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the right word because I I am going to do something uh, that that, that I'm going to enjoy. But I'm going to be really upset that I'm missing that. I have a wedding that, that night. Uh, oh, to go to well, that seems a good reason to not be somewhere. <laughs> but that, that is, that episode sounds like a like, that's my jam. Is, it's is one of my favorite Roger movies. Yes. Hands down. I can't believe you guys haven't done that movie in, in the four years you've been doing this show. Yeah. Yeah. We, we torture ourselves a lot. I'm not sure it's the smartest business plan, but that's most of our episodes. It's like, Oh man, we got to watch this piece of trash. Although (laughs) I I think I'm going to start in stating that like once a year we do a month of good movies because, (laughs) because this year I got four in a row because I got March and April, April. I program on purpose and March. I just have, it happened to be Heather's and Beetlejuice, two of my favorite movies. So I got to watch four yeah. in a row of like good movies that are shot well, that are like kind of critically acclaimed. And I was like, we need, we need to do this more because <laughs> if I have to watch like 50 cents at the dollar store VHS tape movies every week, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the point that I was, I don't know what point I was getting. I, 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 I the, oh, the live shows, I try to switch up a little bit. Uh, now, now, after, after the January debacle of 2018, um, I, the first time I deviated was actually the month before when we celebrated our 100th episode. We went to uh, Amalgam Comics and Coffee House, uh, which is a great venue, great space. Are you guys familiar? Uh, have you been there before? It's, it's down the street from Tattooed Mom, yeah? No, that's Atomic City. That's Atomic ah. City. Um, Amalgam is on Frankfurt uh, and something and other. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not being from Bucks County. I don't know the city real well. Uh, OK, uh, gotcha. 
but it's it's on Frankfurt. Um, it's a it's a it's much bigger than Atomic, and that's why it's a good. And 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 I performed at Atomic, and I and I loved doing a show at Atomic City. Um, that is a that is a neat venue as well. Um, that if, depending on what show you're, what kind of show you're doing, it fits the space really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Atomic, or no, I'm sorry, Amalgam uh, is much bigger. They do a lot of events. They do a lot of things in their back area, whether it's like game night or um, screenings or like the uh, the Black Tribbles. I think perform there like on a regular basis. Oh, that's cool. Um, they, yeah. So they they and they're and just like everywhere else pretty much that we especially during podcast fest time um like all those venues are including amalgam and tattooed mom and and whatnot are super like kind to the creative arts and and podcasting in general um and i've done two shows at amalgam one was my late night format which i enjoyed it was a fun show everyone had a good time but it it doesn't fit that venue um and uh, quite so much so for the 100th episode when we went back we did an actual play rpg and i had jeff stormer from party of one come in and and run a game for us and i had like people that you know from fit and and just improvers from around philly come in so that there were talented people besides myself and and uh well no i'm sorry uh there were talented people i am not talented i'm garbage (laughs) Uh, uh, but I surrounded myself with talent with Jeff and with the improvers and, and Garrett Smith, who's a, a comedian in Philly. Uh, I just surrounded myself with funny people to make the show good. Uh, and it was such a blast. So, so that's when I was like, okay, uh, let's do the January show and then we'll see what happens. The January show was, was a hot mess. And then we, um, and then I, I said, I'll apply to do a panel at the great Philadelphia comic-con in greater Oaks. And we'll see what happens with that. And, because we got accepted there, I applied to Wizard World and we got accepted there and it, it legit like relit the fire about me doing live podcasting. Otherwise, I would not be at the Philadelphia Podcast Festival this year because I was what, that bummed. What? Tell me about these panels. I'm very curious about that. Oh, okay. So uh, as it turns out, you don't have to be anybody special to do a panel uh, <laughs> because they accepted me. I guess it helps if you do something that has a popular topic. So um, for the great Philadelphia Comic-Con, we did, um, and for Wizard World, we did 10 years of Marvel. Um, and we just sat down and talked the last 10 years of Marvel. Uh, the one that was at the Greater Oaks uh, convention, uh, it was okay. Like there was probably about like maybe like 15 to 25 people, kind of what I expect when I go to Tattooed Mom, like kind of that, that, that basic podcasting crowd that you get. Um, and it was, we were the last panel of the last day of the con. So like people came in just to take a load off. Uh, and you could see, they started to leave. Like, I think the con was over at five. So around four 40, 445, people started trickling out to beat traffic and whatnot. But, uh, it was also two days after affinity war came out. So we, we couldn't talk about it because there was two was people. Fresh. No, 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 no. I, I would have talked about it too fresh. There was two people in a Marvel panel that didn't see Infinity War. <laughs> so <laughs> we we couldn't we really couldn't talk Infinity War too much without spoiling it. And and the whole reason you want to talk about Infinity War is spoiling it. Wizard World, I'll tell you what, if you guys you, you guys your show would probably work as a panel um uh at at a convention like Comic Con or like Wizard World. Uh, I'm sure there's, you know, uh, there's a gotta be eighties movies you haven't covered yet. That would fit the comic con world. 
Uh, and I think you would have a lot of fun. I think you would be super successful at it. And as long as you kind of market it the right way, I, I used the, the title of our panel was Dark Knights of the Round Table. So I'm uh, I'm 100% playing up that we love DC and Batman. Uh, and then uh, I put it right in the title. We're talking Marvel, like 10 years of Marvel. Uh, and, and Wizard World, we had like probably uh, like 70, 75 people in the room engaging with us, which was the best part. Like, like greater oaks they engaged with us a little bit um but wizard world engaged hardcore with us and like got into it we had a line of probably like 25 people to ask questions oh that's awesome it was such a good time yeah Yeah, that's amazing I highly recommend you guys trying it out. Uh, if if you got if you like your you know I guess specifically trip schedule can can plan on being in town when these cons are happening um, because I think I think your your premise would work and as long as you like you know put the name of the the title of the movie you're watching in the title of of your panel you're probably going to get people to come and show up. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. It just never occurred to me that that would be something. Uh like to even apply to something like that. That's pretty wild. Yeah. It's, uh, good on you for the, for the guts gusto. Yeah. It's it, what it was is I saw, I don't know if you guys are familiar with plus two comedy. Um, they are a podcast and comedy group in Philadelphia. Um, and Noah Houlihan is uh, one of the hosts. And he, uh, I saw that he was doing conventions and like a lot, he does a, like all of them, like you name <laughs> a convention. He probably is there doing it. But like I saw that he was at Wizard World last year, I was like, "Wait a second. If and and Noah's like I consider him way more talented than me, but I was like, "Noah, I think if Noah can do it, like I can at least apply and see what happens." Um and that's what kind of happened. Like we just we just did it. We said, "Why not?" And and it's I highly recommend it. Like the, there's actually a new convention coming to town called Keystone Comic Convention. Run My by friend is that- uh working for them actually. Oh, intra. Okay. So, um you might have an in, but uh, I would apply. Like, I like if you guys could make make time to, to get there for the weekend. Um, they, I mean, I imagine there are going to be like Wizard World. They give you wristbands uh, for at least the day that your convention or that your panel's there, if not the whole weekend. And uh, you, I, I can't imagine. Like, I'm, I would have to imagine that they're going to make a big splash at being the first year and. Have like the bigger panels as well, but they're I I can't imagine it's run by the people that do New York Comic Con, so I, I got to assume they're expecting a, a decent turnout, so they're getting most of the convention center and and allowing locals to do panels as well. Yeah, no, I mean that sounds really cool. I I will definitely look into that. It seems like something worth pursuing. Um, but yeah, and, and then that stuff reignited me as well. And, and it's something that I, I learned this year was like, I need to take what I do. Like, I don't know what you guys do for, for any kind of milestones or, or annual celebrations. I like to like, when I hit milestones, I like to do a different kind of thing. Like the, the actual play podcast for episode 100, have Batman on as a guest for episode 25, just dopey things. And then like on the anniversary of my show, I take one little thing and, and tweak it. So like the last time you guys were on the show, I did two parters. Uh, you know, if the if the interview went two hours, I think, and I think the last time we talked, we went like two two and a half hours, mm-hmm. and I cut that into two parts. And then I would do um, a live intro with you guys on the line with me, and, and both those things are out the door now. Like I I don't do by unless I truly need to do a two parter, I don't do two parters. I'll air it as an hour. I'll air it as two and a half hours, and I like doing like the I guess like the 
general uh show that's like mine like the the, the mark marins and the this feels terribles and, and whatnot where they cut an intro in after the interview uh, i do that now is how i change it up do you guys do anything to like um to to kind of reinvent yourselves it's not as like formal as that um we definitely have dropped some like we have had more than once a bit that we did that we were like Oh, this will be great. And then like five episodes later, it was like, this is stupid and we shouldn't do this anymore. And instead of like stopping it there, we like continued it for a year. Um, <laughs> and, and so like we retired. Was it? Do we do hot tag taglines for two hot years? Tag, I think hot tag was, was two years. And the best part okay. is once like you retire it a couple a month later, you're like, oh, God, I had a real good tagline. For this stupid movie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, there's been a couple yeah. of episodes where I'm like, should we, can we bring back Hot Tag Tagline just for like, just for this movie? Because I have a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like that's like something, like you should be doing that with your bits, like that, that you retire. And because that, that's like some of my favorite podcasts, like when I, when they have bits that you got, you don't even notice get like ghosted. Like they just get ghosted off of the podcast. And then suddenly it comes back. You're like, oh my God. I remember that bit and this is a funny bit. Like it's, it's cool that they're doing it again. Yeah. We haven't, re- we haven't resurrected anything really yet um, <laughs> for, for like full-time things, but yeah, we did that for a while. And I think like for some reason I found it really funny in the first chunk of episodes and maybe even a little further than that. Like when I would do the introduction for Andrew, I would just like quote old wrestler promos and like, <laughs> Like that idea was funny to me and and it very quickly, not enough material. And then eventually that shifted into the way more logical where I like make a reference to the movie that's hyperbolic, sort of like uh, Top Gear used to do. And that makes like so much more sense. So we've just done that since. But it was like a long, I was, we were just recently where I'm putting together a clip show for the hundredth episode. And I was just recently re-listening to some of the older episodes to pull stuff from. And I hear those intros and be like, why did you think that was so funny? Like that joke is, it's not even a joke. You're just saying something that someone else said once. It's just a quote. You're but just I think, quoting people. I, yeah. I, I See, I find that funny, but I, I am a, I, I discovered after talking to a couple of people, like I kind of like my humor is, is in that realm of like parodying people and, and whatnot, or like, uh, or maybe just like old man cheesy. Like um, there's this podcast around here now called Philly famous. And of course I had to hit him up and say, why don't you spell it pH for famous? And like, his logical response was, well, there's a cheesesteak place called Philly Famous. I was like, oh, okay, okay. But he's like, also, that's corny as hell. I'm like, oh, well, all right. <laughs> I, w- I honestly was like, oh, Philly Famous is probably spelled with two PHs. And as soon as yeah. I didn't even think it wouldn't be. Right? Anytime you have anything that sounds like it's, it, it could be a PH in Philadelphia, it always is. Philly's funniest. I, I I was doing some research on that uh, just this week to, to see if I could book somebody for the live show. And I typed in Philly's funniest with an F. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, they got to be using an F. Like if, if that's got to be like the sophisticated what professionals do. Like they don't go for the, the corny PH. But nope, nope. That Philly's funniest. They use the PH. Well, they could also do a horse spinoff podcast called uh, oh. Philly Famous. And it's only about lady horses and it would be f and f famous famous lady horses yeah. 
Uh, well, he does want to spin off. I don't know if that's the direction he wants to go, but uh, if he's listening, Greg, if you're listening, that idea is for free. Or at least, I mean, I am assuming it's for free. I mean, you just have to put uh, the fact that it was ours at the end of every episode at equal <laughs> length to the full episode. That's that's all I want. Yeah. Just have it playing in the background as like kind of like an audio watermark. Exactly. Exactly. This yeah, perfect. copyright. Yeah, that that's all we want. So uh, you guys are doing Who Framed Roger Rabbit uh, for the festival. Uh, what led you? Was it the fact that it was the 30th anniversary that led you down that path? Or is, is it just like the first thing that popped in your head? No, it's totally the anniversary. We always have like a brainstorming session with the live shows. And it's funny you mentioned, um, you know, changing up the format and stuff. One of the things that I had, I've mentioned at least offhand, but I've never really pursued and it's much more complicated to do. I would love to sometime do like commentary live, like play a yeah. movie, have people come watch the movie and we make jokes over it. Um, so there's, there's definitely that as like a future idea. Um, but we have a long list of like, here's some stuff we want to do. And some of it's like, Oh, if we ever get one around Christmas time, here's a couple Christmas ideas or here's a couple Halloween ideas. But with this one, it was just on the list and I was trying to find, okay, is there a Philly connection in any of these movies? Is there like something that we should do for this or that? Um, and then, uh, found out the other anniversary and it was like, Oh, this is the most logical choice. It has to be this. Yeah. And that, and that, I mean, it's it's such a good movie. I, like I said, I'm really disappointed. There's a lot happening on the 23rd. Like, I feel like, and and this doesn't um this isn't to knock any other schedule that's on the Philadelphia Podcast Festival, uh, circuit. I mean, I'm on July 1st. I think July 23rd is across the different venues the strongest. Uh, schedule like there's a lot of good shows that day and and honestly the first not i mean and, and not really including my show but the first is a good like closing day for the podcast festival yeah i mean we're really really excited i was very flattered and surprised that we got to get a seven o'clock time slot so it's 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 a good schedule so now you guys have done um in three this is your third year at the philly festival um <laughs> what like have has have you learned anything year to year or uh, and how has it differed year to year for you guys? It's it's very different for me just because I, I am a live performer by nature. Like I'm an actor and I, I do shows. Yeah. So it's just always a different format of not having a character to like do. It's just like mm-hmm. being me who's cracking some jokes. So like <laughs> if some, if something doesn't land, it's all my fault. Like I can't I can't blame a script or a character. Um, so it's just sort of, you, you read the room better each year, I think. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I also like, it's not playing a character, but obviously when something is working, you're, you lean into it. So yeah, we did, we did, um, the great Muppet caper for the show last year. And I love the Muppets and so does Andrew, but I didn't super care for that movie and so it was like causing ripples in the crowd and eventually it was like all right let's just lead into it and like the ripples are a good thing let's see how many more of them i can make until finally we had to like let someone from the audience come chime in on the show to be like here's why you're an idiot (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's for me, like I, I don't know that I found like my sweet spot when it comes to a time. Like I tend to and like I don't know, is it good to close the festival like at seven PM? Is it is it better to open? Is it better to be in the middle? Like I it's it's such a weird thing to to look at and I and I think about this what I'm doing the the annual festival in the summer and then when I'm booking the uh the January festival that I do to raise money it's it's like I think it's so different day to day because podcast live podcasting really is just kind of becoming a regular thing and not in Philly like it's still not a regular thing in Philly it's 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 uh like every now and then someone comes through um so like it's I feel like when you're in the midday is, is when you get like the most traffic and then the people that come at night are, are there because they want to be there. Um, and same thing with the people that come at one o'clock in the afternoon. Like it's, it's, how do you guys feel? I don't know. Have you played different times across the, the various shows you've done Philly, Baltimore? Yeah. In Baltimore last year, we had a really tough spot because we were ahead of, or after the most popular show there and only went on when we did, because they asked not to go on so late. So it was like, okay, sure. Uh, And like everybody left. (laughs) (laughs) Like everybody, like literally not a single person from that group stayed over. Like friends of ours did, but Um, nobody who was just like there hung out. And so that like, you literally felt the energy walk out of the room. And that was yeah. like a really tough thing. Cause it's like, obviously it's our friends and they want us to do well. So it's not like a hostile crowd, but it was just like, Oh man, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, that's digs hard. Like that's, that's such a bummer how that went. Huh? Well, and I, I purposely, like when I am able to have some control, like the, when I do, so I, last year I did a lot of booking. Like I booked uh, like every other month I would book a show uh, and it would be me closing and then someone else opening. But for the annual show, I very purposely and so far every live performance that I've shared with Full Belly Laughs, it has gone. Everything is awesome at some time slot. And then the show directly after that is Full Belly Laughs. Um, so at the last, this the, the this will be the third Philadelphia festival that it happens at, and I've invited him um, to both of my January shows, and I book it purposely that way because I know his crowd comes in early, and and I and I've experienced that like for years now, so I know I can get a trickle down effect from his audience. Yeah, no, that's exactly like. I booked the Baltimore one and it was like, okay, well we'll put this real popular thing on last. And then they were like, we don't, we don't want to be out that late. Can you switch? And so we did. And it was like, oh man, like all these people would have had to sit through our jokes and now none of them are. So, so I'll ask you, uh, I'll ask you this and I don't know, I guess Andrew, you don't do too much of the, the booking. You're yes. just the, the talent. That is, that is, that is it. <laughs> So I apologize because this will probably be more directed for, for trip, but how do you find booking um, a show of that magnitude? That's, that's a couple hours long, multiple show. Like is, is the Baltimore uh, podcast festival one day, two days? It was two, it was one day the first year, two days, the second year. Um, honestly, the harder part is like picking the, the acts. Like, yeah we got 25 slots or 25 applications for 11 slots last year. And like, that's a lot of people you have to say no to. Yeah. And, um, my, I mean, ideal goal would be like anybody who you listen to their show and they put like an actual amount of effort into it. Like, 
you know, in whatever that form that takes, I want to give them an opportunity because that's why I started the whole stupid thing. Um, it's not stupid. I shouldn't do that. You shouldn't mean <laughs> your own ideas, folks. That's, that's a lesson for the kids out there. It's like you want to be self-deprecating. Don't self-deprecate. It was a cool thing I did. I should take credit. Um, anyway, uh, it, so it, that's the harder part of having to be like, oh, my God, I have to say no to all these people. So my goal this year is more space. So I have to say no to less people. Um, but honestly, I just try to do it by feel like you listen to a couple episodes of the show, you kind of get the vibe of their thing and things that will kind of sit harmoniously next to each other. And still there's some weird stuff. Like uh, we had a true crime, pro- true crime podcast go right before a food podcast, which I thought <laughs> would be kind of weird, but it worked out fine. Like there was the, the food show happened to be about something kind of silly and light. And the crime show happened to be about something that was silly and light. And they like, not that I, like forced them to do that. It just worked out that way. And it was like, Oh great. Like the crime show was kind of funny, even though it was, you know, a sad story and the food thing was like kind of lighthearted and it just all was kind of perfect. I, I, for me that my first year of booking. So I feel like I kind of have like a good sense of how to book because years ago when I used to wrestle, like I was one of the guys that would help put together the show, like booking the venue and, 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 and creating the card that, you know, putting together all these matches that are going to work really well with one another and whatnot. Uh, but as it turns out, that skill set does not go from like industry to industry at all. Uh, because <laughs> the first year I booked at my own event, I was like, I want to book the shows that I want to see live because damn it, this is also a celebration for everything is awesome. So I booked like two actual play podcasts um, full belly laughs my myself and um, <clears throat> I believe there was a f- I believe there was a fifth show um, and I apologize to anyone that like the shows that I'm forgetting at that first year that was two years ago I, I wrestled I had concussions when I was younger <laughs> I have a bad memory guys uh, so the but like I learned tattooed mom is not the venue that you that you use for actual play podcasts with people that are going to drink at a bar aren't going to watch nerdy stuff. Yep. Um, so I, I learned that the hard way and it sucked because like there's a, a lot of shows. Well, it depends on the bar. I think that's true. You are. Yeah. Cause I guess like in Philly, you got barcade that would probably work at barcade. Um, I don't know any other nerdy bars in Philadelphia. So uh, I know it doesn't work at tattooed moms, but that was the hard thing. The second year was like, man, like these shows that I want to see, like I feel bad not booking them, but it, like, it's just, if I book them here, it's just them recording their show in an, in a different space. And, and it's not really giving them the true live experience that they deserve. If I book them at amalgam or atomic or uh, red cap, uh, red cap games, I believe is the name of the space. So yeah, it's, it's, it's every year it's a learning experience. And, and like my, my thing this year is I really want to try to bring in like a bigger podcast. And, and, and I, I don't know, like I have feelings about that. Like, you know, and I don't know how you guys feel both as, you know, Trip who books a show and Andrew who performs the show. What are your thoughts about like, especially like last year was the start of Philadelphia Podcast Fest doing something bigger and and bringing in outside talent that um, maybe was from outside of Philly or or they originated from Philly and they just are elsewhere now. How are your thoughts about that? Because because there's there's a degree of competition on, on especially on the 23rd there's there's a lot of competition amongst the different venues and shows well i feel like the kind of the beauty of podcasting is that 
audiences get to be fragmented, right? Like there's such niche products that overlap is a thing, but not that crazy. You know what I mean? Like the, uh, the people who would really, really be gung ho about last podcast on the left. I don't know that like one to one, a fan of that show is a fan of our show. And I don't say okay. that with any criticism of their show whatsoever. Like I'm just like, I don't like, I don't know that overlap is hundred percent. Right. It's like some people like Marvel movies and some people like indie drama. So I, I don't like know. That DC it's... is not even in that conversation. You just went to like the natural. Well, see, no, like no, no, no. I mean, who here's, I will, I will say who actively likes all DC movies. I, well, there's one and it's wonder woman. That's the only good one. Yeah. Since but also you get like, one. I, I genuinely, I like, I kind of view those as the same product. Like I know there's like some intense fanboyism, but you're splitting like 1% of a, of a population there. You know what I mean? Like okay. your average person who likes movies with punches doesn't care if, <laughs> DC or Marvel, frankly, doesn't know if DC or Marvel owns the thing and is wondering like when Iron Man is going to show up. I think like those people exist that you're talking about, but that is like a very small crowd in terms of general population. I feel like you think in, I I, I don't know. I I agree to an extent. I feel like in 2018, Marvel has really taught people that like, Hey, we are Marvel. Even like separating themselves outside of X-Men and Deadpool and, and before Sony came on board, I feel like the MCU did a really good job of saying, Hey, we're Marvel. We're not the dipshits across the street that can't put a movie together. And we're not the other Marvel guys that have the mutants. Like we're our, I feel like they do a good job at separating themselves. I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying, I think the actual percentage of audience that's like, I like guys who punch stuff and, and like draws a fierce line in the sand over whether it's Marvel punchers or DC punchers is not that big. I would like love, I, I would love to like take a poll on that because I, I I don't know that like I necessarily I, I'm on the fence of whether I agree with you or not. Because like the first Batman versus Batman versus Superman was like I never saw it, but it, like all all pretty much agreed like whoa that was a raging trash fire, and it still made almost a billion dollars. And then people were like oh the one that says Batman was a dumpster fire last time. So I didn't go, but like, as soon as Marvel has two stinkers in a row, that's the same thing's going to happen. Uh, but are they going to have stinkers? I feel like they know what they're doing over there. I mean, I, I, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. Cause like, I'm kind of done with the whole thing. Like I'm actively looking forward to the next Avengers. Cause I'm, I, I get to be done. <laughs> like I just get to get <laughs> off the train. Like I'm like, all right, all right. I've made it to my destination. I hope wherever the rest of you go is wonderful. This is me. I'll, uh, I'll be seeing you never because this train goes only in one direction. So goodbye forever. And that's like, I'm very looking forward to it. Cause I'm an old man now and I just uh-huh. like, I can't care anymore, but other than Guardians, which I'll like, I'll keep going to that until I, I don't want to get on that train anymore. But I did like, I'm so over it. <laughs> so I'm the wrong person to ask because I know other people are not, but I'm very much like, oh, it's almost here. I can see the end. That's, as, but I feel like as they, as they're like continuing on this 10 plus year journey now, like I feel like they're finding ways to, to tell the story and it not be the same. Like I feel like. Yeah. Uh, sort of. I don't know. Like, I feel like Black Panther. It, like, that's a really unique m- movie. Like, I don't feel like that's the same as the other Marvel movies. 
See, see, that's I thought Black Panther was cool, and obviously Black Panther resonated with a segment of the United States population that is wildly underrepresented, underrepresented in media. And like, I'm not trying to take away anything from anybody who got a lot out of Black Panther because I think that is really, really cool. I, I, I do. I think it's genuinely cool they're trying to do stuff for other people. But like the Black Panther story is the same as every other story. Like he was the king of all the thing, and then the bad guy shows up and then takes over for like two thirds of the movie. And then the good guys show up at the end and then there's a lot of punches and then the good guys win. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're, I get it. I get it. You want a movie. You want to, you want a film. You don't want, no, uh, I just like, I just like, like, I just, I genuinely enjoyed that. They lost at the end of infinity War because like, this is just not the same. Like the bag, the good guys always win. I still like, maintain that. Like I didn't need Peter Parker begging for his life. <laughs> okay, it was a little did. much. It was a little much. Oh my I was God. like, hang on. Why did nobody else do this? Everyone else was just like, whoa, I'm disintegrating. Like they were like, they pulled a Marty McFly and they were like, doc, I don't, what's going on? <laughs> Instead of Peter Parker literally falling into Robert Downey Jr.'s arms <laughs> and crying for his life. It was so dark. <laughs> but, okay. Okay. Let me defend that. Let me defend that, that scene. And uh, you're going to tell me that he has fucking spiked his ass. And that's why he knew. I've heard it before. Well, I also my best friend is the my best friend is the ultimate Spider fan. Like well, I know, I heard it. Well, and, and and I wasn't gonna defend it with that. I and that, but that is like I've read that, and and, I, and that's what sold me on it a little bit. But here's my issue with with all of the the snapping deaths, um, is that like. I, the Black Panther two, they're making one. Like he made a billion dollars. Uh, Spider Man Homecoming two. I was like, yeah, Disney's not letting him go. Yeah. Homecoming two is literally coming out three weeks or three months or something after the next Infinity War movie. So like, I know that these characters aren't dead for real. Like, I I pray to God. Like, spoilers, guys. Uh, I play I pray to God. Gamora and Loki and um uh who uh and Hamdale I, I hope that they're dead for for good because that all happened before the snap and, and they should stay dead but like everyone that dusted away like like and this is me being an adult like watching a film like it's hard for me to buy that and and the argument is well you should be there needs to be stakes yes and and I know that they're going to come back and the argument I heard is well you're supposed to feel how these how the other characters feel about this but I'm like but but why if I can't buy it as an audience member why should I buy it as one of them and and then what what's the second viewing Affinity War um, taking myself out of that mindset and watching Peter Parker he's the only sellable death that I believe that I feel emotion for. I don't care that black Panther dusted away. Like I don't feel anything for that, but I feel for, for Peter and for Tony and for what that means to, to their story arc together. Like Tom Holland's like improv there uh, sold me in, in, in a mindset of, of, of the second viewing, I was able to buy it and, and say, okay, at least his death. I feel a little choked up about a little, I'm not shedding a tear. I mean- but I feel a little choked up. The children in my theater were crying. Like they're, they are movies for children, you know, like, <laughs> like, 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 I don't, I mean, again, no shade intended, but like I'm 31. I'm kind of like over it. Like, I, I, I think I hit that point quite a lot of time. Like, yeah, of course I know there's another movie, but like there was a six or seven year old boy weeping, walking out of the thing. Like, dad, what's going to happen to the Black Panther? Like legitimately crying. And I was like, good. Like he learned a lesson with like, 
Like when I was a kid, kids movies were like, hey, every other parent gets murdered aggressively by a hunter. Like enjoy, enjoy life, kid. And like, I want that. Like I, th- these movies are too coddling for children. And I'm being facetious here, but like, I thought it was bold. Like I'm just frankly, I agree with what Andrew said. Like there needs to be stakes, but also I just am enjoying the fact that they're like going to have to do Star Trek, the search for Spock because they haven't done that before. Like they're going to have to get the time stone and revert, turn back time. And if they don't play that song, it's going (laughs) to share. Yeah. If we don't get some friggin' share in the Marvel universe, I'm going to be an upset boy. But like, it's got to be Star Lord who makes that reference. Yes, too. yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. He can sell it. Yes, yes. Uh, maybe Rocket will play it on his his uh, stereo. Since didn't Star Lord dust Star-Lord? out? Yeah, he dusted oh, away. He yeah, they yeah. all. I don't. Whatever. They, and legitimately, all of the Guardians of the Galaxy dusted. I think, except Rocket. They'll mix. Yeah. They'll, they'll mix. They'll pour some water, mix him into a fine paste, <laughs> and then just like <laughs> smush him onto a wall. And he'll be like, "Are you sure? Because you're gonna turn back time." Yeah, Love exactly. Credit. But like, but like I, I, I just, have the I joke. Go ahead. Like my friend, my friend who's the biggest Spider fan is constantly telling me every time Marvel makes an announcement, and I was like, "Yeah, you know what it is? It's Avengers four. You'll fucking see it, nerds." <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Avengers five. We're still making them. Like, <laughs> I get it. It's a money printing machine, and I get it. But like, do something different, please. So, so that's why I'm excited. Like, I genuinely have some excitement for the next movie. Like, yes, I'm just like you. I know that they're not dead, but the fact that they have to go get them is just like yes. a different story than we've seen before. And it's like, oh, like I haven't seen that 65 times because every Marvel movie is like, I am the best at punches, and now my punches are so good, I'm gonna punch away the whole city or the whole world or the whole whatever. And it's like they're all when everything is the end of the world scenario, nothing feels like it matters. Well, and I, that's what I like about what what Fox is looks like they're doing with like the New Mutants. Like they they're turning that into a horror film, and that's what I want to see more of. I want to see. I liked them. that idea until I yeah. found out that they were reshooting the entire thing. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, because they only cut it the trailer to be horror, and then they realized, oh, people like this. I was so pumped oh, to see like a scary mutant movie, like something different about it. And then I was like, oh, no, they're reshooting everything because they pulled a suicide squad. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, and I'm hoping that we still get something that's good from that. And, and at the very least, I think it's something that studios should and, and filmmakers should look at and say, OK, like this is the next phase of how we're going to tell these stories, like so that people don't get tired of seeing like, you know, the same thing over and over again is let's like, I think the winter soldier does a great job at, at telling a, a political spy thriller just with a superhero skin. And, and the hopefully new mutants does a good job at telling a horror movie with a superhero skin. I want to see that. I feel like star Wars is trying to do that with their, um, a star Wars films movies with rogue one and solo. Like they were trying to tell a war movie with a star Wars skin and they were trying to tell, I guess like a like a, a racing heist movie with with a, a Star Wars skin on it. Um, I like that. I like that mindset. I think that's like what these cinematic universes have to do. Otherwise, it's going to. And I'm not tired of it yet. But but uh, I'm a big old nerd for this stuff. Uh, but I feel like to, to stop the nerds from from getting tired of it, they have to put those tell other genres with the with the superhero skin. Yeah, I mean the Star Wars thing I, is a different 
kind of thing to me because I find it baffling that they were like, we have this unbridled, unencumbered galaxy in which to tell stories. So let's only tell stories about people named Skywalker. And like, like the fact that everything has to tie into each other is such a snake eating its tail thing to me. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, I also love when they were teasing Solo. They were like, and you're going to find out where his name came from. And I was like, <laughs> whoever cared. Parents. Crazy enough, I assumed his parents gave it to him. But, you know, sure, sure. Let's see some smuggling situation where someone's like, you really fly solo, kid. And then he puts on a pair of sunglasses and screams, yeah! You know it's dumber than that, right? Oh, it has to be. Is it? What is it? No, no. Do you, do you, do you, is it, have you seen it, Kevin? I don't want to ruin a thing yes, for you. Yes, I, I have seen okay. Solo. I have, not. I have not seen it, but I, but I heard I heard this scene, and I like literally, I can't believe this exists in a mainstream, like, $300 fucking million dollar movie. He walks up to, like, an immigrations person, and they ask him if he's with anyone, and he says no, and he goes, Solo, huh? And that's how he becomes Han Solo. Shut the front door and get out of my house. <laughs> that's an actual. That's an actual scene in an actual movie that actual people wrote and then actual people approved. Like the chain of command that is involved in making not just a movie but a Star Wars picture. Like, oh my god, it's like fifty-two people had to be like, this is worthy of our audience. There are also this time the people who dollars. said, "Hey, Donald Glover, stop improvising." So. They yeah. Don't make yeah. Well, yet. they fired the first two directors because they're like, hey, you guys are hilarious, but this movie is getting too funny. So <laughs> you can't be here anymore. Let's bring in the guy yeah. who's the equivalent of wallpaper. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's bring in your mom's favorite director for her book club books. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I love your takes. I love them. Uh, <laughs> I never saw the movie, so like a solo could be great, but just that whole like backstory drama stuff with Ron Howard and and the Phil Lord Chris Miller guys, I just found that like insane. Like that whole thing was categorically insane to me. Um, I, I'll keep my my thoughts on Solo brief because I've talked about him before on a recent interview uh, with, with somebody else. But <clears throat> it's a, it's a movie that I think is super enjoyable. It's super. I mean, if you have movie pass, it's it's definitely worth it. Like Star Wars is typically worth it just paying the real money, but um Solo is is definitely a, like well worth a movie pass ticket. Uh and and it's a fun time. I think it's an enjoyable movie. It's it's if you kind of look at it as its own film, it's a really fun flick and, and a really good flick. But when you think about what the the implications are on the greater universe and, and Han Solo in particular, it kind of like you, you, you can start pulling it apart and whatnot. But I, I know I kind of am in the mindset of as long as they're not putting three Star Wars movies out a year and, and they, they try to keep them about 12 months apart, which they didn't do with this. But if I'm getting one Star Wars movie a year, I feel like everyone should be going to them because because they're Star Wars. And I think Star Wars is is it's worth your watch. Um, just don't have high expectations for it. Uh, and and definitely like if you have like a little um, sibling or or, 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 or uh, spawn of your of your loins or uh, like a nephew or niece that you can take to see it. That was special for me. Like I was able to see it by myself on opening night uh, and and 
process it as I wanted to process it. And then I was able to take my kid who's six to go see his first big screen Star Wars experience. And yeah, it kind of sucks that it's not a saga film and it kind of sucks that it's not maybe one of the originals, but I didn't have that either. I had no first time viewing of a good Star Wars big screen movie as a kid. I saw uh, Attack of the Clones and I was I was a teenager. (laughs) I could drive. So I didn't get I didn't get that experience. So to see my son have that experience was so special and he has no preconceived knowledge. He's seen new hope. He's seen empire. He's seen half of return of the Jedi. He doesn't know who Han Solo is though. Like he knows the character. He knows he's cool because dad likes him. So to see him see, uh, this kid play his own take of Han Solo and not have a preconceived notion of who Harrison Ford is as Han Solo was so neat and to see him gush about the movie meant the world to me and and that's what i think i mean and i guess you know i think trip you said it earlier like these movies are made for kids they're not made for us anymore and 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 i got to see that first they were never they were never made for adults like they were always for children it's just that we were children before yeah yeah um so but i think solo is definitely like worth a watch like i don't and this is i I know it's like uh almost the hour so i don't want to keep you guys too long if you if you're if you don't want to stay up too late um so so i'll kind of keep then this next thing quick uh i have to assume that you guys and maybe not have you invested in movie pass yeah we both have it i actually just saw hereditary tonight i need to see it oh so bad dude Dude, terrifying. I, I, no bullshit, sat in my car for five entire minutes in silence after that movie in the parking lot, just like trying to process it. I have not had that kind of overwhelming, negative, dread, terror feeling in a movie in a very long time. Like, I genuinely don't even know to recommend it to people. Like, I just like, what? Don't do that. That's not good. <laughs> oh, see, I already have. I'm going to go see it with a boy, so that's going to be real fun. Yeah, no, that is a terrible idea. It's literally the worst date. <laughs> I uh, I saw it Monday night uh, by myself, and I I think I had the same experience, except like not in a glowing way. I had it in like a. I saw it and I was like, huh. That like I'm not sure. Like I want to see it again because I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like uh, here, here's okay. Here's I think my my main issue with it, without spoiling anything for for Andrew, is I feel like it had a slow setup. Like I, I felt like like yeah. For I mean, me, it's a slow movie. It's a slow movie. Yeah. And I had just seen Ocean's Eight a couple how nights before. That? Which have you uh, have either have of you not, seen it? No, no but I my, yeah. I mean, I would. Uh, it's it's I fell asleep during it. And now uh, here's I will say I had a very relaxing massage beforehand. <laughs> uh, so maybe I was just I was just and I was tired because I had like three nights, but three nights in a row I had done like six interviews. Uh, so I was really tired from staying up nights before. But it was like a Friday night, really relaxing massage that I, I you know, it, I fell asleep during that because it was just amazing. Uh, and then uh, the fiance and I went to go see see oceans eight thinking like okay like i love the oceans movies this is gonna be good and it's same issue it, it was a slow start um and i don't i i fell asleep during all the action so i don't know if the action was worth it um and i think that's my issue is back-to-back movies had kind of a slower start uh and and honestly like the way trip just kind of explained 
like what the fuck did I just watch was what I had except like what the fuck did I just watch like in a I need to see it again to like get a clear conscious of it because I think my issue is everyone said how great it was and I want to go see oh I'm going to see this amazing movie and I built it up before I went to go see it yeah I mean that happens to everybody but uh Andrew go see the movie I think it's well worth it I would like to hear what your thoughts are on it after you see it yeah I, I definitely love, I love horror it's it's like I've I absolutely love horror, so I can't wait to go see it. And I think Entertainment Weekly uh, said it was like one of the scariest movies they've seen in years. So I was like, okay, cool. I I don't know. I I think I guess Get Out isn't really scary. It's just kind of it's tense. Yes, it's Get Out's more like a a thrilling tense movie. Um, what was the what was the movie that came out earlier this year? Oh, A Quiet Place. Like that. I guess that's also. I want to see that too. Oh my god, you haven't seen A Quiet Place yet. I haven't yet. I'm 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 terrible. Oh my god, it's that trip. Have you seen that? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I I enjoyed it for like the ninety minutes, but I didn't think it was like the greatest gift to. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 we, we are polar opposites on these two movies then, because, because I, I, a Quiet Place is, I feel it's, it's, it's so good. It, it's, it's. I don't think it's as good as Get Out. I still think Get Out is the better um, horror movie. But, whew, damn, that's a good movie. My, my uh, problem I highly with, recommend. My problem with a Quiet Place is the audience learns a thing like legitimately 45 minutes of movie time before a character in the movie learns a thing, and the whole time, and I don't want to go further than that because Andrew hasn't seen it, uh, but just like. I think you know what I mean, probably. Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm just like sitting there screaming, like, learn the thing. Why did you teach me the thing if the character isn't going to learn the thing? And I just like I couldn't stop screaming at the TV internally. Well, the, not the TV, but the screen internally. And I was like, I, I hate like I that is like a movie nerd thing. But like, I cannot stand that type of like blatant foreshadowing where it's like pointing out a thing with a neon sign for the audience. And <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, the yeah. character is like. Uh, and I, like I just find that lazy. Like, like it's like the movie wants me to think I'm smart, and it's like, no, you pointed at it with a laser pointer for an hour. Like, of course I knew what it was. Yeah, I agree. I, I kind of wish they kind of um, didn't do that. I'm trying yeah. to yeah, yeah, be, be sly about it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I know what you're saying, and and I do that didn't ruin the movie for me though. But I am uh, I, the thing that I've noticed talking to guys like you uh, and Andrew and uh, Garrett Smith, who does I like to movie movie, mm-hmm. and, and Dan Scully, is like I, I am a terrible person that that should like like I sometimes write reviews for, for movies, and I probably shouldn't because I generally have a positive outlook on things and want to like everything. So I generally like, and, and I also am not super analytical of movies. Like I kind of go in with, with, uh, with very like with, with, with no intense watching, even when like I'm sitting down to do a, a round table about it. It's, it's rare that I like, I'll, I'll, I'll put my science classes on to really like analyze that movie. And I should, I should, if I'm going to review it, but I mean, uh, I, I, I yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Like I, I, I have definitely ruined movies by like picking at the logic of them. I don't even like uh, my beef with it is not even like the logic of the thing. Like I think the, the solution that is arrived to in that movie is a good entertaining one that works. It's just that like they showed us the, the smoking gun and I was like, okay, well I know what the answer is now. And now I'm like twiddling my thumbs waiting for that to happen. And it was just like a movie making thing, right? Like I, I yeah. Cause like I, a lot of people have poked flaws in, in the logic of the movie. And it's like, that's, I have no interest. Like, I, like 
I, I I'll buy into the logic of your move as long as you set up the rules. Like that's yeah. one of the things we talk about on our podcast a lot, and it's like especially when we do horror movies, like if you want me to buy in, set me, teach me the rules and then follow them. And so like, as long as you do that, like here's the world in which this movie lives. And then we follow the rules the whole time. It's fine. But as soon, as soon as you set up the rules and then you break them, it's like, well, wait, that's not how you said it worked. And then like, I yeah. can't turn off that part of my brain. It's like, we, we, that I, that's like our big credo. Every time we do a horror movie, it's like, teach me the rules and then follow the rules. That's yeah. all you gotta do. I want to imagine that the whole time you and I have been going back and forth about this movie and skating over it, that Andrew's just sitting there going, la, 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 <laughs> That's la, what I would have done. I would have unplugged my headphones. <laughs> um, so, all right. I, I don't want to keep you guys too much longer because we're all East Coast boys uh, and, and it's getting a little late. I do. Uh, I have a, a couple of final questions before we get the final promotion in for the festival. Sure. Uh, okay, so what has been, and maybe I'm hoping that these are different answers. Uh, what has been your favorite in the last uh, 100 episodes of your podcast? What's been the favorite one you guys have done? It's hmm, a very good question. And then I have a follow up question. Like your favorite episode? Yeah, what's your favorite episode? Not necessarily favorite 80s movie that you've done, but favorite episode you've done? I have two. Okay. And it, Let's they're both Let's recent. Uh, the first was, uh, first one I'll say is Beetlejuice because Trip is like a notorious Tim Burton hater. Okay. <laughs> and it was really, and I like went over like, well, I'm going to have to defend this movie for the next hour and a half. And it turned into like, oh no, like Trip has a deep, has a deeper appreciation for Beetlejuice after like discussing it and like have like, he was like, Oh, this is actually really good. Like I turns out like I can categorize the Tim Burton that I don't like. Um, okay. That's neat. and the other one I liked, I think we just had the most fun recording was one magic Christmas. Okay. Explain, one. explain this movie to me. I don't know if I can explain this movie. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically, so it, it, it's, it's imagine if, uh, someone who speaks like Cantonese okay. is trying to relay the plot of It's a Wonderful Life to someone who speaks Japanese and that person, the Japanese speaker is then trying to write an English movie. <laughs> okay. So like the ideas are kind of there. Like there's, I, there's some mysticism. There's some angels floating around. There's some magic happening and Santa's there, but it's not quite right. It also has... It also has like one of our just like it turned into a like riffy character like the uh, I'll answer your question in a second. But I think like this is a perfect example of when we really get going on a movie, we start riffing on a thing. And Andrew did this really great impression of uh, Harry Dean Stanton plays an angel in that movie. And he's drunk all the time. And so Andrew was doing this like really goofy drunk voice and it like turned into like we just wanted to talk to the drunk angel for as long as possible. So like that was a really fun riff. But like this movie, the main character is Mary Steenburgen, who people would know from uh, Step Brothers and uh, Last Man on Earth and all sorts of stuff. Um, she, her dad died the year before at Christmas time and her husband is losing his job uh, in the week between Christmas and New Year's. So – she's a uh, the only working person in the family basically. And she's like trying to make a Christmas happen for her kids and also pack up her house and also prepare to move and uproot their life. Cause their house is like company housing. So when he loses his job, they also lose their place to live. 
<laughs> and so God like damn. as you would imagine she's like not having a great day for yeah. a while and the movie actively punishes her for not like going whole hog into the spirit of christmas and it's it's one of those movies where spoilers santa is real which like is always <laughs> really tough logic to defend because in that world, like like if Santa was real, he would be thought of as an asshole. <laughs> I I want to imagine a world where people listening to this, like we just ruined their lives <laughs> by Santa. But like, but like it's 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 also a movie where we get the we get the Santa we get we see Santa is real. Like a child goes to visit him in the North Pole and sees the lists and like sees everything. But it's the same movie where the parents are stressing over how to get presents for their kids. And like we said it in the podcast, but like those two things can't exist in the same world. If Santa is real, then he brings presents and we can shut up about presents already. Like you don't I I don't get it. I don't get it. Right. But like that's that's also the truth of like if he was real and ignoring children who were just like fine, you know, like I get the whole naughty or nice list, but there's like just meh kids. And like, what do they get? And if they don't get Christmas, is he a dick? Like probably, I think. Right. You know, so we we were talking about that. Uh, I'll also pick a recent one because I hadn't watched the movie in 20 years. Uh, The Karate Kid is trash. And I had like (laughs) fun going hard on that movie. And Andrew, like kind of having to play the defender on it not wholeheartedly but like in some ways because i was devil's advocate will say yeah yeah but i thought that episode like it was like almost i think it was like an hour and 40 minutes out which is like probably our longest episode of all time by like a good margin and i was like you know cutting some stuff and cutting some stuff and i was like i'm gonna put this out i want to see what people think and we've had like more than one person chime in and say how much they enjoyed that episode and like we're glad it was full like the whole length and all that stuff which is really dope but i had a great time and like finished the podcast like felt having like exercised a demon that had been living in me that i was like oh man like i got rid of my karate kid anger in that episode <laughs> um, all right, and, and to follow up, and uh, what is your favorite '80s '80s movie? And I would, I, I guess, I want to kind of maybe even quantify as what's your favorite '80s movie that you haven't done on the show yet that you want to do one day. I always talk about Adventures in Babysitting because I feel like that was my first '80s movie I ever watched, and like really resonates with me. Um, yeah, I think that would be a fun episode, but also too. Gremlins. Yeah, yeah, that's also very good. We want to do a Christmas, uh, Christmas show and like have a live show on christmas Uh, and and do gremlins for that around christmas yeah because i have some things to say and some questions about gremlin biology that (laughs) i feel like have to be asked yeah no i've i've spent a lot of time taking mental notes like oh man one day we're gonna talk about this bad boy um another one that's probably like going to be difficult. So one of the things I, I think is really interesting is rewatching movies that you already have an opinion about. And yeah. Um, like sometimes having your view really shattered. Cause like, you know, I don't know if this happens for you, but sometimes you rewatch an old movie and you find that movie's point of view, something that may have resonated when you were, when you were younger or dumber or whatever. And then you're watching it now and you're like, Oh my God, like this movie has a terrible point of view about women or minorities. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, like two of them that I'm like deathly afraid to rewatch. Cause like I am almost positive that, um, say anything is going to be like the biggest gaslighting adventure that ever happened. Um, I haven't, Uh I haven't watched that movie in like 15 years and like 
I like that movie or I did like that movie quite a bit. And now it's like, mm, when you rewatch that, I bet you're going to hate it. Like, I bet you're going to think Lloyd Dalber's a piece of shit. <laughs> and uh, uh, another one along those lines is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like I've heard, I've heard many people say that like Ferris Bueller is kind of an a-hole and like, I love that movie as a kid. I watched it every time I was homesick. So I could like basically quote the whole thing. Yeah. And I really, <laughs> I really like, I think if I rewatch that, I'm going to think Ferris Bueller's a monster. Well, and so we recently rewatched that when it was re-released in theater, what, like a year or two ago for the, the 25th or 30th anniversary yeah, or, yeah. Or, or something. Um, and <clears throat> I don't know. I, I we went we watched it and we enjoyed it. Now uh, I don't know um, how it would feel to to rewatch that movie not being a white male. Uh, maybe you you have a different opinion and maybe you think it's awful. I don't. I, I, and I can't pick. I can't think of anything that off the top of my head that would like make that movie awful. But I, I also when I rewatch older things, I try to put in my mind like got to remember this is a product of the time and while and, and i guess it depends on the, the degree of awfulness um but i i think it's hard like it's hard to it's hard to look at like comedy albums and movies and even tv shows from yesteryear and and really like fault them for being a product of their time unless it's something that's like blatantly awful like like you know, if if the movie is promoting that it's a good idea to to speak hate speech against a certain uh, group, then obviously that's a terrible movie. That sh- that should have been a terrible movie in the eighties. But uh, if it's like, I don't know, I, I don't I don't want to say something and then sound like I'm a monster. So I'm no, not, no, no, I'm no. not gonna I'm not gonna. I, I think it's I think it's even simpler than that though. It's like I I totally agree with what you're saying. Like there are lines in these movies that you're like that line was not unacceptable then, but it's mostly like when the joke is like thrown around the F word or, or like really demeaning women, it's like the, all of the jokes aren't jokes anymore. You know what I mean? And so it's not, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not even like, Oh, it was a sign of this time. It's like, it's like, Oh, the whole central conceit of this is now no longer funny to me. Like, I'm just not going to laugh at a joke where the punchline is like one guy knocking another guy on the ground and using a gay slur against him. Whereas like yeah. somebody might've laughed at that in 1988. And I'm not saying that person, I mean, that's not a good thing that they did, but like the prevailing culture was shitty. And so that's what they laughed at. And so like, it's less that and more like, oh, that's just not a funny joke. And then I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs while watching this air quotes comedy. I had an experience and not necessarily like that, but I had an experience with Ghostbusters when that came out. uh, What, like uh, two years ago, they they Mm re-released it in theater for the anniversary. Um, And I had an experience you know, watching that saying, Oh my God, I can't believe I was allowed to watch this as a kid. Like it's, it's not like I wouldn't let my six year old son watch that movie. And I know I watched that movie when I was uh, under 10. And I don't know that I would let my my 10 year old nephew watch ghostbusters, the original, there's some strong language and some like, like adult themed conversation and jokes in that movie. Yeah, I mean, for sure. We we were always a house where like swearing and sh- gunplay was fine, but if there was a nipple involved, you weren't allowed to watch a it. Classic so, like, American household. Sp- <laughs> yes, yes, truthfully. Uh, yeah, so like I go, it's when you were like talking about Ghostbusters, like there's nobody naked in Ghostbusters, and it's really fun. It's like, <laughs> I was like, what is he talking about? Nobody gets naked in that movie at all. Like, like Dana is kind of scantily clad when she's Zool, but it's yeah. not like overly, but like, oh no, they do say, they do swear like a lot of times in that movie. Yeah. 
and and it's and it's not even just like the swearing is fine like my kid like i mean i i've taught my kid how to do the middle finger and like he knows there's a line that he can't cross and and sometimes he can do it and we can all laugh about it and sometimes he like he's he's a smart kid he knows not to do it in school and 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 whatnot and i like to like kind of take the uh kevin smith mentality and just kind of like free flow with my language like he did that i i I don't know i may like i I might as well be like a a disciple of kevin smith I, i follow him so religiously but like back like 10 10 15 years ago like when he would talk about like driving and talking with his wife in front of his kid is who was a toddler at the time like they didn't hold back and and she didn't pick up that foul language at all uh as, as a child and my and my kids very similar uh where where he doesn't like he'll he'll say it in the privacy of our home because he thinks it's funny or, or in grandma's home or something like that but he knows in public that, that that's a line you don't cross my daughter on the other hand is is, is uh she's an asshole and, <laughs> and uh and uh, i love her to, i love her to death but she's straight up like i need to i'm going to get the principal called on her and i want to be i'm going to be brought down asked why she curses and why she gives the finger to the teacher and stuff because she doesn't know how to hold back yeah that's a tough Uh, situation but that but that's why like it's it's i don't know so it's not necessarily the cursing in ghostbusters that i'm like it it did shock me like watching it for the first time in years it did shock me i don't i didn't remember it but um it was it was there's a couple jokes that i'm like oh my god like i don't know that i i don't know that i let my kid watch this and 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 maybe it was maybe it was part of the language like like i want to say like they dropped they they dropped bitch around a few times at least once and i'm like oh my god like i can't believe they just said this and like this is a kid's movie (laughs) yeah it's i i I guess is that probably pete Probably pre PG thirteen. Yeah. Gremlins was the first PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the reason for PG thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the Ghostbusters is before that. It definitely would have been PG thirteen, but I think it's only PG. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely. I mean, I, I I'm shocked they haven't gone and like re-rated those movies to be PG thirteen and whatnot. But, uh, okay. So so my promise to get you out early has failed already. So <laughs> I apologize. Fine. That's all right. Uh, uh, let's let's talk about the the festival show this year. Uh, remind everyone uh, where you are, when you are, and uh, what you're talking about. So Saturday, June 23rd at 7 p.m. at Tattooed Mom, dissecting the 80s is taking on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We aim to uh, find out the answer to that question and more live at Tattooed Mom. Uh, and that is part of the Philadelphia Podcast Festival, uh, the 2018 one, the sixth annual festival. Uh, you can find the complete schedule on phillypodfest.com slash schedule. Uh, it's a, a, a tattooed mom has been the venue I've ever I, I've never been to any other venue for the podcast festival. But I've never been to any other festival venue for the festival and uh but tattoo bomb is a really great place um i i don't want to talk uh make it sound like amalgam's not because amalgam is a great place i've done shows there uh but there's that's as uh, i'm sorry as trip said earlier there is a, a show for everyone to go watch um and i highly recommend checking out dissecting the 80s i was able to watch it last year uh them th- these guys perform live so so well uh so check them out uh at tattooed mom uh make sure you come up, check us out at tattooed mom uh they are I, you technically you're closing the first uh what i call the first official day of the festival because there's a show on the 22nd but that's just like a one-off a good good comedy 
Uh, the first official day is, is is at Tattooed Mom and Amalgam Comics on June 23rd. You guys are, are you the last show that we day? Are. Yeah, so so you guys are closing day one where everything is awesome is opening the last day of the festival at Tattooed Mom on July 1st at 1 p.m. So come check us out. Uh, we're going to be doing our late night thing. Uh, as I, th- I think I started to mention at the beginning of the show, uh, I'm trying to approach late night a little bit more seriously this year. So we're hoping to have a little bit more of a scheduled monologue. Uh, we're hoping to have uh, some fun bits to, 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 to debut, uh, maybe a fun game to debut with the audience. And uh, I'm working hard on, on booking some, some great guests and uh, come come close out Tattooed Mom and the Philadelphia Podcast Festival on July 1st. It's going to be a fun, fun time. Uh, and I believe Full Bill Last is giving away a, a drink. So you should probably contact them to see what they're giving away and how you have to enter to do that. Uh, guys, thanks for doing the show. Uh, and we'll have to have you guys on uh, when, when it's not Podcast Festival time. We'll have to have a maybe like a little fun little uh, movie discussion episode. Uh, on everything is yeah. awesome yeah that'd guys. be great uh so thanks once again thank you and very good much luck at the thank festival. you so much you too thanks thank for you. having yeah, us on we appreciate it oh uh dissecting the 80s.com if you want oh. more of our stuff <laughs> oh. yeah oh yeah yeah get those plugs out before i hit stop recording yeah and you can uh also check out my uh queer web series who the f are these guys eff on youtube it's free Oh, God, they're creating so much free content for you guys. You have no reason not to check it out. All right, big, big thanks to Trip and Andrew from Dissecting the 80s for being on the show. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the conversation. I really, I can't wait. Um, I've only seen them live when it comes to the festival uh, last year, and, and that's it. I haven't seen, I didn't see them the year before. I'm not going to see them this year, uh, and I would really like to see them live more often. I know they do um, a show down in... Um, Maryland, the Baltimore uh, podcast festival that that they actually run. So uh, it will be, uh, and I actually want to go down there for that. I feel like that would be a fun time. I need to talk to them about that. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Yeah, I think they should be doing more live shows and hopefully they take the opportunity to do so. Um, as the podcasting scene continues to grow uh, in the Northeast here, specifically in Philadelphia. Uh, there's a couple ways you can support this show. I know that you're here listening to me uh, an hour, hour and a half in, uh, and you're still here. Thank you so, so much. That means a lot to me. It means a lot to the show. Um, and and it's just uh, fantastic that you, you stick around this long to hear me kind of say the same thing over and over again. But I try to have new nuggets in there. And, and um, right now it's all about the podcast festival. So the, the new nuggets are, are, are few and far between. But... If you continue to support this show, uh, or you want to continue to support the show in other ways, you can do so in a few different ways. You can go to our patreon.com slash that entertains, and you can subscribe to our network, which is uh, more than just everything is awesome. You get all the shows that are part of the podcast network. You get anything that gets ever created on that entertains.com uh, uh, for free, um, obviously, and you usually get early access and things like that uh, for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, so, you know, if you can do that, great. If not, then you can also go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. That is very, very important. Those ratings and reviews help more people discover the show. And when more people discover the show, we get a bigger listening base and we have a bigger listening base. We can go and, uh, do panels and stuff, or we can go and do more live shows. It just helps us kind of grow in the, this landscape of podcasting. And of course, word of mouth recommendations are also another great way to 
help us out. Just tell a friend about the show. Throw us on while you're on a long car ride. Um, and I can guarantee you an interesting conversation uh, and hopefully a unique one with the guests that um, you may not get with another show. Uh, they may, you know, it may be a standard interview. I try to do non-standard interviews. Anyway, um, so thank you again for listening. Uh, make sure you come out to Tattooed Moms on July 1st. Uh, at 1 p.m. we are kicking off the festival uh, and I was hoping to have news on guests this week. We are waiting for a few confirmations from people to see if they can uh, make it out or not. As it turns out, it's hard to book a show uh, the weekend before July 4th. Everyone's on vacation. However, don't worry because we are going to be still be playing games. We're going to be playing Food Fright where we have four food challenges. Uh, and I announced them and, and I think, believe the last show, uh, Oreo Challenge, uh, Bean Boozled, and the Pocky Chip, and a, a Donut challenge uh, and all those challenges um, we're going to try to have sponsored in some way uh, so you can win cash you can win gift cards I can I've already announced mind escape as one of our sponsors for the prizes and I can also announce tattooed mom is one of the um, sponsors for the gifts so you'll be getting a, a ten dollar um, you can either win a ten dollar tattooed mom gift card or a thirty dollar mind escape card amongst other things that we're still in the midst of finalizing so be, be sure to come out July 1st to hear me and Mike sit around gab do some late night talk to some amazing people some awesome people and also give you the listener some cool cool prizes from local philadelphia you know south street businesses uh that's all i got for you now uh have fun at phil um have fun at the philadelphia podcast festival if you can make it it's all weekend long uh tattoo moms amalgam comics coffee house are the two big ones on the 23rd as well as fit comedy and then there's continuing into sunday at tattooed mom and i believe another there's another venue as well you can go to phillypodfest.com schedule for the complete schedule of the philadelphia podcast fest this year and of course this is everything is awesome where you can find us on twitter at real awesome pod but you can find me on twitter at that nerdy kev where i do most of my tweeting and stuff uh and you can also you can also find us on core temp arts as part of the core temp arts podcast network at coretemparts.com and we are on awesomepodcast.com where we do all of our business. That's our homepage. That's where we live. And you know what? We've been awesome. Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.